Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and guess who's back in the studio? Well, I just got this song on my head and I really want to sing it. I know I don't usually sing on radio, but I just want to say, reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> but we're not actually in the studio anyway. We are like in a we kind makeshift of a studio. studio. This is a makeshift studio. We've like banged one together. <laughs> it's coupled together on the fourth floor of a hotel in Awasa, Ethiopia. Yes. So we are coming to you this morning from Ethiopia. Ethiopia. How exciting is that? I know. It's, I'm just, uh, my mind is boggling and I feel like telling the people about Ethiopian weather, but I know I had to tell them about the Australian weather first. <laughs> okay, so what's happening with the weather in Australia? Okay. I'll tell you about the Ethiopian weather. It's, it's hot. Nice. <laughs> I reckon it's hot. It's nice. Like I was just checking before we went on air and like the crook of my arm is even sweating. It's like I have two armpits, my armpit and then one fur- another one further it's down. But it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's not the worst. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's not like you. Australia, think. what's happening in Australian weather? Okay, so Sydney, 19 with the top of 26. Melbourne, 18 with the top of 28. Brisbane, 23 with the top of 31. Perth is 23, climb up to 36. Adelaide has a top of 31 as well. They are currently sitting on 19. Hobart is on 16, heading to 20. Canberra, 18 with the top of 23. Darwin, stinking hot as usual, 28.9, heading all the way to 34. Actually, do you know what? Perth is a higher top, 36 today in Perth. There you go. Sorry, Perth. Sorry about that. Just come join us in Ethiopia. It's actually cooler in Africa. De- definitely cooler <laughs> in Ethiopia right now. And, you know, Mon, when you normally uh, look out the window of the studio and you see that nice green tree just outside the window uh-huh. and you see you know, the grass in the car park and so forth, what do you see out the window from here? Not my beloved little green tree in Newcastle, but I actually see a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> and beyond the swimming pool? Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure what it is. It's some sort of weird structure. I have a feeling it might be an aquatic center of something just because it's painted bright blue and green, but it's like very Ethiopian architecture, third world Africa and kind of stuff. Of course, beside that, there's what appears to be a rubbish dump, but I'm not sure that it actually is. Yeah. And on the other side of that, there is a building under construction. And of course, over here, um, they make all of their uh, multi-story, and doesn't matter how many stories tall it is, mm. scaffolding out of pieces of wood held together with pieces of wire. It is it is absolutely terrifying just to look at. Even just to look at, you're like, man, I, do, I haven't thankfully seen any workers up there because I've landed during the weekend and it's still the weekend now, but like... Oh. We have so many stories to tell about Ethiopia. You have no idea. And we are so excited to be... Uh, bringing you this uh, radio show all the way from the other side of the world. So we hope that you enjoy it as much as we do. But right now, we do need to uh, move on to this song. We'll be back in just a moment right after this. When Mon Makes Lyle's Dreams Come True. Bye. 
Everybody, you're listening to Faith FM. It's Lila Mon, all the way from Ethiopia, bringing what, what? you the breakfast show. And Mon, you said something a moment ago that has me <laughs> kind of puzzled and kind of worried at the same time. Like, you make all my dreams come true. I'm just <laughs> Lyle, I'm yes. about to change your life in probably one of the few biggest ways that a person's life could be changed. And I'm not even remotely joking about okay, this. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm <clears> even <throat> more concerned right now. I kind of enjoy my life, Mon. I have a good life. It's about to be changed for the better. For the better. Lyle, I'm about to make you filthy, stinking rich. Okay. So I picked right. up a little something, something for you on my travels. Yes. It's and I'm not, li- I'm not lying. I have a brown paper bag with, and I have, I have money in here for you. And I, wanna, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to think that I'm joking. This is not Monopoly money. This is legal tender. You can actually use this. But I have for you. Fifty billion dollars. Fifty billion dollars. I'm handing Lyle a fifty billion dollar note, and it's not a joke. It's real money. No, this is dead serious. This is real. It's a real fifty billion dollar note, Lyle. That's for you. That's how much I love you. I've just made you a billionaire. <laughs> not just a billionaire, but a fifty billionaire. <laughs> Um, so that's a fifty our, billion billionaire. That's our legal tender in Zimbabwe, where it's actually worth about two bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, so generous, so generous. Just give me two dollars. I will treasure that. Actually, do you know what? It's probably less. No, no, yeah, that's no, two dollars. Two dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was twenty rand. I got it in South Africa. Uh, they so, sell that. So in Mon, Mon, yes. <coughs> we probably should mention a few things about the news. Yeah. And very quickly, we do need to mention the, of course, the big news, which is the, um, you know, the massacre taking place in New Zealand. Just oh, What a horrific um, event that is something that should never take place. And even though this time it seems to have come from what we might call the other side, where there shouldn't be no sides in this mm. whatsoever at all, I don't think that there is language that we can use that is strong enough to condemn what took place. And, you know, New Zealand, they are our close neighbours. They are. We, we love to have them as yeah. rivals. Life would just 
be no fun without New Zealanders. Absolutely. And, and being able to have some rivalry ac- across the ditch. And to have something like this happen to our next door neighbours uh, is just terrific. Yeah. Do, do you know what, Lyle? I'm actually worried about three things uh, since this happened. I'm, I'm worried that this is now going to lift the lid on what some Australians might really be thinking. I think there might be a bunch of racist, um, you know, ever since 9-11, like an undercurrent within Australian culture. And I'm wondering if they might feel empowered now to come forward and say, ha-ha, we condone this. Because I have to tell you, I'm not going to mention any names, but the person who first relayed the news to me was kind of laughing about it, was kind of like, ha-ha, it's karma. They finally got it themselves when they've been dishing it out worldwide for so many years. And, uh, and so I was wondering, is this going to be something that exposes to us, to us Australians, what some of us or many of us or who knows how many of us might be feeling or thinking about the Muslim community. The other thing I'm worried about is that this might um, kick off a spate of copycat incidences and I think there's already been something happening. I think in Queensland it was where a gentleman has already, well, gentleman, where a man has already driven a car into the gate at a mosque and was screaming obscenities and I'm, I'm concerned that this might have, you know, a snowball effect and more people, like a ripple effect and more and more people might feel empowered to go do this kind of nonsense. And the third thing I'm worried about is, does this now paint a target on New Zealand? I'm sure New Zealand was like New Zealand not was even always a, the most peaceful yeah. country on the planet. I always said the best passport to ever own was a New Zealand passport yeah. because New Zealand never had any, any enemies. I don't think they would have been a blip on any extremist's radar, but now I, I hate to center. think... Yeah, front and center. Exactly. Don't and be so, flashing that New Zealand passport anywhere. anywhere. Yeah, I'd be extremely concerned if I was. But of course, the guy was an Aussie, so it paints a target on, on us, us as, as well. well. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Great. So those We're are the three things that I'm concerned right now, about. Somebody goes and does something like that. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Exactly. I was a bit concerned because when I caught the plane here from Johannesburg, I, I was on a I was on a, an Ethiopian Airways flight. Seven three seven. Seven three seven eight hundred, which I thought was Max eight for a second, and. And, uh, and I was surrounded by um, Muslim people who were all very nice yeah, to me. Um, but I suddenly was just extremely nervous about the entire flight. So it is a travesty. I'm concerned about those three things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, The moment that somebody says that's terrible, but, the moment the yeah. word but comes out, mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, there's mm-hmm. no buts here. That's horrific. That's yeah. terrible. And I don't care what religion it happens to. That is, you know, people who are just peacefully worshipping, you know, it's not like they've not like they're rioting in the streets or something. Or other, you know, they're just peacefully worshiping. Leave them be. Yeah. You know, let them worship. You know, there's a wonderful people. I know so many Muslim people and they're just wonderful, peace-loving people. Yeah. And you know, we've always stood back and condemned, you know, radical Islam when radical Islam does crazy things like that. And we were winning while ever we were not retaliating when we didn't stoop to their level because we were able to point out that. You guys are doing this, and nobody else does. And every time they did it, they made themselves look worse. worse. And now all of that has just gone out the window. Yeah. One individual has just destroyed all that. Exa- and now they win. I, I, has this been the first time in any country that Muslims have been, like people have turned around and attacked Muslims? It's the first major one. It's the first okay. one of this scale. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely been there, yeah. It, I'm just so ashamed it wasn't Australian. I'm so ashamed it was Australian. Do you know, I have a lot of uh, friends who think of migrating to Australia, a lot of like nurses and medical professionals from America and from England who call me up and they say, Mon, I'm thinking about moving to Australia for a year or two years or so forth. Can you give me some advice? And the number one question that they want to ask me is always, how is the racism in Australia? And I'm always like, 
what racism? It's Australia. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, but then, like, uh, but then now I, we see that it is there. Yeah. It does exist, and, it's and a, it just it's, makes it's me so ashamed. Where, where, wherever you find it, makes me so ashamed. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, we're in Ethiopia, and we have yes. been having some remarkable adventures. We have. Mon has had some <laughs> remarkable adventures. <laughs> yes, indeed. Start off with that crazy Mon, flight. <laughs> where, tell us, tell us, and tell us a little bit about the adventures that you have been having since we have been here, or since you have arrived in Ethiopia. I want to be extremely delicate in my wording uh, <laughs> about some of the things that I'm have just happened. Just going to say that some things here are unique. Yeah, they're different. They're just unique. They're really just, different. They just don't do it this way in Australia. <laughs> um, so one. One of the things that I has really, um, st- uh, man, this is so embarrassing. I've noticed since getting off the plane two nights ago that there seems to be a real lackadaisical uh, attitude towards men keeping their clothes on in public. And um, that's the record. I haven't seen any of this yet, but I was in a different part of the country. I lost count. I was uh, a little bit aghast. So, like, you know, they, they have these cross-country buses, and when they need to pull over to use the restroom, there is no restroom, so they just go on the side of the road. Then you drive past, and you get a whole eyeful of that. And there also seems to be um, a substantial amount of begging going on, <clears throat> which for some reason also involves a lack of clothing. Um, so that's been probably the most shocking part for me in terms of culture shock. Other things is the, the begging here. So the begging here is different. Okay. Different uh, from Kenya. Yeah, different from... And different from South Africa. Yeah, so different from any country that I've been to, to be honest. Uh, it is a lot more aggressive and it's it, it really doesn't endear you to help them. And I know that sounds horrible, but it's true. Uh, my friends and I went for a walk today. So Vani, my, my, uh, my best mate who's actually here um, helping us out with the show this morning, um, and Lawson, who's here as well, he's all going to be preaching. And so the three of us, three amigos, went for a walk. And, uh, and people would come up to us and, and shove their hands uh, you know, at our bodies and our faces and so forth. And if you didn't give, they would become aggressive. So I actually had one little girl slap me in the face. Uh, when I walked past her and didn't give her anything. And uh, and Lawson had one girl attack him with a bottle and, and hit him with it when he walked past as well and didn't give. And, uh, and unfortunately, I did have a man who he shoved his hand in my face and I was like, could, and I just want to explain, you can't give to everyone. If you gave no, to everyone, you not. would be stone yeah, broke yeah. within 10 minutes. No, and if you're going to give, you need to give in a way that is organized and that is through a reputable yeah, organization. Like so you know whether, yeah, like address, so that you know where the money's going and how it's being used. Yeah, so this one man had his hand in my face and I, and I kept, because the thing you have to do is keep walking and, uh, and unfortunately he thought it was, you know, appropriate then to just um, slide his hand across my breasts as he walked off. And so I, I'm a little bit I'm actually like one hasn't had a good introduction to Ethiopia. No, I've had a great introduction yeah. to Ethiopia. Like I'm telling I'm people, completely different people experience. like how are you finding Ethiopia? And I keep saying the jury's still out, which basically means to me I'm not having a good time, and I hope it gets better. <laughs> so yeah, but I did have a rough time getting into the country. I did get oh, detained at the we, airport. We can't wait. And, oh. I, I am. Go- we are going to have that story on radio. <laughs> Believe me, this is this is the story of the year. We are not going to miss this one. Mon kind of got put in a padded cell and then busted out. But yeah, <laughs> stay tuned for that one. Jailbreaking mod. And we want to hear some stories about your trip because you've been here a few days now as well and you've been like touring around doing history, climbing up cliff faces. No idea. The adventures that we've been having. I'm dying to hear all of it, Lyle. So this is going to be a great show for us today. Um, Do stick around. We do have more music. We have the regular show coming up as well. Uh, Question of the day, our Bible study. It's all coming up uh, right after this song.
from Ethiopia. Our very, 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 very first ever time that what, what? Faith FM Breakfast Show has come to you from the other side of the world. And what a random place to be bringing it from. I know. It's so exciting. But this is an incredible country to be bringing it from. Isn't that the history of Christianity here just so... The country's just steeped okay, in so it, this right? is the second oldest... Continu- well, this is the oldest continuous Christian country on the planet. Oh, wow. It was the second country to make Christianity the official state religion. Whoa. The only African country that has never been colonized. Really? Yes. Wow. So this is a unique nation. This is a nation that up until uh, was, I think, let me just um, look at my notes here real quick, 1970, where is it, 1974, up until 1974 could trace their kings and their um, emperors, the bloodline they could trace it all the way back, um, you know, at least 1,500 years, possibly more. They claim all the way back to the time of Solomon. Solomon. One continuous bloodline. That's incredible. So you can at least take that continuous bloodline back, you know, 1,500 years. That's incredible. That's incredible. And, 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 there's, and there's very good evidence that it goes back, you know, So there must be incredible history here. History here like you would not even begin to imagine. Now, I, I just need, need to point out that this is, is Mon's attempt to distract me from asking. <laughs> she knew that she could get me sidetracked on history because I love history so much and I've been having such a great time here in Ethiopia. I did, but I to did distract it. me from asking about how Mon came to be imprisoned and then to pull off a jailbreak. <laughs> yeah. Get into the country running around in Ethiopia without a her passport. passport. Yeah, man, dude. Look, God was looking after me. i got to tell you, God is good. God is good. Um, so what happened was, I'll yes. tell you, fine. I'll, I'll <laughs> confess my sins on air again. Uh, this, this radio job is becoming like a confessional box for me. <laughs> so I entered the country and... Um, I mean, you don't have to... I could tell the story. I could probably tell yeah. it better than you. <laughs> add, add a few details here and there. No, no, no. Don't the Lyle exaggeration filter on it. <laughs> um, so, so when you enter into Ethiopia, you do have to pay a 50 US dollar um, tourist visa. Uh, fee, which is fine, no worries. Uh, I thought I'll just turn up and, and pay for it with my credit card because I didn't have US dollars on me because I'm not an American, isn't that sm- amazing? Uh, and so I turned up with um, a credit card and I only had 30 Aussie bucks on me and five um, United Arab Emirates dira, whatever it's called, and then a bunch of coins from about five different countries. And so that's that's the the money that I had on me. And so I, I'm the only person who had to go to that desk. The, the, the airport was like a ghost town. Anyway, they went to charge my card, and the card wasn't working. Um, it didn't work for me either. Yeah, yeah. A week so, earlier. That hasn't been working for the, for a week at least. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't fixed it. So the machine, the problem is the machine. It, it kept saying incorrect pin, and I'm like, I know my pin, and that's it. And so, yes, yeah, so they admitted that the card the machine wasn't working. And, uh, and then we had we hit an impasse because they're like you have to pay to get in and i'm like but i have no way to pay unless you accept my card and i said well can i just duck to the other side of that fence um because there's a barrier and i'll just go to the the currency um the foreign exchange place and get 50 us bucks and bring it back in and uh at which point they explained to me and i said i could just use the atm and get out some um some ethiopian burr which is mm-hmm. a local mm-hmm. currency and i can pay the equivalent of 50 us dollars at which point they explained to me that their exchange bureaus don't sell any currency other than their own local currency. 
They Fair won't. Enough. They won't sell you US dollars. They won't sell you British pounds. They won't. Sell you, they won't. Okay, nothing. so just, that's easy. Just go and get some local uh, Ethiopian burr. Right. And, right. And pay it for an Ethiopian burr. Right. And that's when they told me that they don't accept their own currency. They don't accept their own currency at the tourist visa desk. You can't pay them in their money. They don't want it. They want US bucks. And so I'm like, well, we're really stuck now, aren't we? And uh, and so they took my passport away. And because we went back and forth and back and forth, uh, different desks, and eventually they took my passport away and they shoved me in a padded cell and left me there. And uh, and about an hour went by and I'm sitting there, I'm trying to text people, trying to get help, and that's when I realised the door wasn't shut properly. And by this time I had had it, I just had it, Lyle. <laughs> and so I got up, I went out, I collected my belongings, and I decided to hunt down the guy who had my passport. And uh, and I just started searching the whole airport down. They have all these doors that say you know authorised personnel only. It turns out they're really ever locked because I was just barging through one after the other after the other just anytime I came across a staff member I was like do you have my passport do you have my passport do you have my passport and because um, I was really concerned they're going to like shred my passport or something or deport me and uh, and then finally I walked for 50 bucks yeah yeah over 50 bucks anyway I finally walked through a door where there was an active board meeting happening so there's all these people in suits sitting around this big table <laughs> and I just walked in there I saw what I walked into and I'm like that's too bad and I was like who's got my passport and um, I was yeah I was getting I don't know I was, I was getting really quite aggressive about it because I was getting really scared. And uh, and at which point I saw that my passport was on the table in the middle of this boardroom. And I was like, how many people does it got to take to come up with a decision about what to do here? And so I said, oh, I'd like my passport back. And um, and this guy came out and, yeah, it just the story just kept going and going and going. And, uh, and eventually they decided they're going to let me out into their country. Um, they're going to keep my passport. And, um, and, and I was going to have to go find the money and come back. Um, and at one point, things got so heated that they had six soldiers around me. And, uh, and at this point, I was so, I was so with furious guns. with their machine guns. I, I, just, I just didn't care about the guns at all. I wasn't even a shred scared of these soldiers and their guns. And I had my finger out in their faces and wagging my finger and telling oh, them. Oh, this is the German coming out <laughs> yeah. in mind. Oh, it was very, German very was German. Released. <laughs> yeah, and so I um, and ended up, in the end, it was so easy. And I, I was like, this could have been this easy from the start. I just caught a taxi into town. I accessed the black market. I got my 50 bucks. I came back. I pay the money. Access the black market. As, as you do. I'm as just putting do. it in those words. And then I, I got my passport and I left. And then I was like, why did they have to make it so hard? Why did it have to be so... Com- why was I did, Why was I in a padded cell for why that? Why you just paid for it in birth, for goodness sake? I know. I, I, so, uh, anyway, so I went home and had a shower and a cry and a potato. And that was it. <laughs> but getting back to the history, Lyle. Yes, getting back to the history. I do want to know about the history because I had discovered in South Africa while I was there, because I was very curious about their country and I wanted to know more about the history of their country. But the problem was, until they were, had the, the Dutch settlers come there and take over the show, they weren't recording any history. So for them, when you talk about South African history, it starts when the white people get there, which you think to yourself, well, that sounds wrong. What happened before the white people got there? Black people must have been there for thousands of years. And then they're like, yeah, but they weren't recording any history. So I'm wondering whether or not the recording okay, so of history Ethiopia, is a developed country in thing. Ethiopia, we have recorded history going back 2,000 years. So they did no, sorry, 4,000 years. Wow. 2000 BC. Wow. Okay, yes. wow. That's incredible. Yes. This is, this is unlike anywhere else in Africa other than maybe, you know, the Sudan or uh, Egypt. Okay. This has a long, long recorded history. And you can go back to uh, 2000 BC. You've got, you know, Semitic languages that are uh, being spoken here in Ethiopia. 
Um, around about a thousand BC, the uh, a, a, a kingdom by the name of Dumpt. <laughs> Dumpt. Say it again. Dumpt. Dumpt. Um, <coughs> that's established in Aksum and uh, established by Sabians or Shebans. Okay. Okay, so they've crossed... The, come like across the Queen the, of Sheba Shebans? Yeah, yeah, that okay, kind of yeah, Sheba. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they've crossed the, uh, the Red Sea from uh, the area that we now call Yemen. Wow. And they've established up in Aksum. And we started, um, you know, we started our tour in Aksum, uh, looking at some of the ancient sites up there. We, we looked at sites that went back to the Sabians. Um, we, we, we looked at, at you know, a bunch of from, sites really from there all the way through. And um, so we went to a place called Yiha. <laughs> you didn't. We went to a place called Yiha. Yiha. <laughs> and you know, one of the interesting things is there's so little archaeology has been done in this country, but what they Ooh. are discovering is mm-hmm. just phenomenal. You know, you've got this massive temple there that uh, was, you know, the capital city of a Sabian uh, kingdom, um, you know, way back in the day, um, about 1000 BC. And it's just standing there, just this, you know, all four walls just still standing, beautiful masonry, massive bricks, massive stones. So is, is the fact that it hasn't been colonised maybe one of the reasons why um, archaeology hasn't been done much? Yeah, I think so. I think okay, so. There's yeah. been very little uh, excavation that has this taken place. This must be a treasure trove. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a forgotten country. Yeah, yeah. It really is. You know, everybody goes to Egypt to do their archaeology or somewhere like That's that. That's true. And whoever thinks of coming down to Ethiopia. <laughs> but, you know, I was looking at the dig there. and It was a very, very active dig. It was swarming with people. And it was headed up by a German crew. Uh, you would have felt right at home there, might have been able to talk to everybody. <laughs> and, you know, some of what they were uncovering, in they had a shaft that was probably 30 feet deep, and at the bottom they had just uncovered these massive stone walls. Wow. Perfectly straight, perfectly cut, you know, stones. You know, and as you say, they don't have a recorded history in um, South Africa, but they also don't have a monumental history, whereas up here they have monuments. I mean, you've got the largest obelisk in Axum that has ever been erected anywhere in the world. We're going to have to come back to Lyle's stories. We'll be hearing more about this over the next week. But for now, here is our interview. Jesus, Jesus. 
Listening to Faith FM 87.6, or 88, right across the Faith FM network. Joining us in the studio this morning is Terence. Terence, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad that you can join us. Now, Terence, uh, you were here with uh, David Stojic as he was um, doing his piece on depression, and we decided that hey, Terence is here. Let's hear about Terence and uh, and his story and his journey of faith. So, currently doing a um, what is it called an externship? Is that right? That's right. So for uh, over a ten-day period, I'll spend um, you know the whole day with David, just observing how he operates and what he does, and trying to learn from his um, his ministry and, and seeing what ministry is all about. Yeah, absolutely, fantastic. So I imagine, like uh, you know, most people that uh, end up in ministry, there's a bit of a journey getting there. And you obviously didn't start straight into ministry start straight out of high school. You've done other things with your life. No, that's right. Um, so uh, my background is in IT. Um, I have a degree in computer science. But uh, since I've graduated, my, my, my career has followed a number of strange twists and turns, and uh, and um, and now I'm at Avondale completing a postgraduate diploma in theology, so it's a two-year postgraduate diploma. Yeah, so what are some of the things, different things you've done since uh, graduating? Sure. Um, so directly out of uni, I, I, I probably worked in IT for about a year, uh, and then the opportunity came up for me to manage a not-for-profit in New Zealand, working oh. with uh, at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so it was a charitable trust that we started, and um, you know we grew sort of over a number of years, and we worked with uh, young offenders that were coming through the youth justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I managed that uh, organisation for about. Uh, five and a half years before I, we moved to Australia and then I actually started theology back in 2011 but for a number of reasons it just sort of didn't work out um, we didn't we didn't plan it in advance we sort of thought oh maybe God will just open up the doors for us and it didn't quite happen the way that we were praying that it would or maybe just God had a different timeline and um, and so I've so I stopped studying at that point and I did a number of IT jobs various analyst jobs um, I've worked sort of in the mining industry doing data and uh, data analysis and I've worked for a software development company doing customer um, support analysis and um, but somehow God made another way for me to come back and study full-time again last year. So um, I'm sort of just newly back into 
theology study mm. uh, and I'm hoping to graduate at the end of this year 2019 so fantastic yeah and I imagine those uh, you, did, you did five and a half years in New Zealand running that not-for-profit um, that sounds like you would you were already doing ministry right there oh absolutely um, it, great, and great start for ministry yeah and it was it was a different totally different experience it was a different skill set uh, obviously with um, IT it's it's very much the logic side of your brain it's the maths and um, you know sort of seeing things as black and white but when you work in the not-for-profit uh, sector you really do have to engage with people you have to develop the ability to network and, and uh, I guess talk to people build community networks and and I've always been sort of interested in um, how our church as a Seventh Adventist church we can engage with uh, the not for prof- uh, sorry the community sector and what we can do in the community that's unique and there's opportunity there for our church to grow uh, serving the community um, and so I was really excited to be able to come and do my externship with uh, David mm. and to see what he's doing yeah. as a community organization because it's, uh, it's it's a little bit different it's unique it's, it's different and unique but at the same time it would have parallels with what you've done in the past and um, and you know this is an area that obviously you're interested in so praise God I think you've I, I look at your the story you've just been sharing and I'm like you know what God has been been educating you and preparing you for ministry the whole way through just a little bit of a longer path yeah that's right um, <laughs> and as when I see uh, the way that uh, David is trying to set up uh, an organization which serves the community I, I feel that churches there's lots of unique things that we can do um, I think uh, maybe in years gone by churches have sort of focused uh, you know more on the ministries that we're comfortable with pathfinders or youth ministry but you know there's there's lots of opportunities there to serve and uh, you know there's churches now that are setting up food ministries which are fantastic and you know there's churches now that are doing budgeting programs and and marital support and depression recovery and all of these and programs. going out into the community and engaging with real people with real needs rather than just you know navel gazing and supporting our, our our own selves now I'm not saying that you know our our internal programs are not necessary and are not good things but you know it's 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 a little bit different when you go out and it's almost Almost like um, you know, going from from uh, from from playing paintball to facing live ammunition. Yeah, absolutely, and you're totally right. The the, service, the programs that we do traditionally run and, and that are out there, we have been doing, are fantastic opportunities for us to engage in the community. But maybe we haven't um, had the courage to sort of open it right up and say, "Look, let's 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 get the kids down the street to join in in our Pathfinder Club," and you know, finding opportunities to put ourselves out there. One of the things that used to happen when I was uh, uh, working in the youth, um, the youth justice sector in New Zealand is I would often attend community meetings and I would and and I would see that, that there would be people there from the councils and the various social services and and I th- and I used to think to myself as a as a as somebody that's interested in church ministry and I'd always been involved in my local church I would love to see our, our local church youth pastor or attend these things on a regular basis and build those community networks and and so that's one of the I guess reasons why I was excited to come to college and um, you know I'm still excited by that opportunity yeah so let's 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 go back a little bit in, in your personal history You're obviously a very deeply spiritual person um, have you always been that way no um, but I've always been a Christian. I've always mm-hmm. been a Seventh Adventist. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
when you know when you're when you're raised as a child in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, you learn stuff, you learn teachings, you learn doctrines. But it's not until you get to your adult years where you actually understand and actually accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and, and recognize your need for forgiveness. And um, that, that's something that happened probably in my university years. <clears throat> I have to say that my first sort of foray into study, my first few years at uni, were, were a bit of a a blur, you know, like I stepped away, so to speak, from the church and from my uh, my upbringing. But you know, eventually, God showed me my need for salvation and 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 showed me that I needed to be forgiven for my sins. And once I accepted Jesus again as an adult, you know, my life's been totally different. What brought that about? Um, there's probably a number of factors. Um, but mostly it's because I had supportive parents and they would just constantly talk to me. And I, and I remember at one point just not feeling fulfilled with um, the things that I was doing. Growing up, I was a competitive sports person. Um, I oh, played, what did you play? Uh, I played competitive touch football. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played that most of my life. Um, and But it, being a competitive touch footballer, you sort of do... You, you're in a different world. It's, it's a lot of... You know, weekend parties after you're playing, and um, and actually, and and it's it's you know like, and I got to a high level. Like I've I've won three national championships in New Zealand uh, mm-hmm. as a um, you know young twenty year old, and uh, but even those things don't bring you that sort of lasting fulfilment that that Jesus can. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just sort of thinking. I mean, you've won three national champions there in New Zealand. Is there a uh, was there a temptation to you know to, to go down a career path there? Well, thankfully, maybe fortunately, touch football is not a professional sport, so there's sure. no, you know it's it's, so you've, it's you've, an amateur you've sport. Kind of reached the, the, the heights of where uh, yeah, and, and and I still have great contacts and friends in that. Um, you still play touch footy? The area, yeah, I do. I um, uh-huh. not at the same level. I'm sort of over thirty now, so I, I'm, I'm more masters. <laughs> so it sort of gets yeah. a bit disappointing after thirty, doesn't oh, it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Well, yeah, you, you, it's a young man's game for sure. Um, but um, yeah, so yeah, I sorry, I forgot what the question. No, no, that's was. all right. But uh, I was just talking about you know the. Uh, um, you know the, the the opportunities that when you're uh, um, at the highest level of sport, there's always, you know, I, I guess, a temptation to, you know, to make that into your God and to follow that particular path rather than to following God and and just exploring whether um, whether that was anything that ever crossed your mind. I mean, what would be what would the next logical step be for somebody who was um, as high up in touch football as you were to to go on from there? Um, you know, people have people in the sports world and in professional sports and in competitive sports they need Jesus as much as anyone and there's an opportunity there if that's a passion if you you know if you're a young Christian that wants to that, that's involved in that scene you can still minister in some way and I think what we tend to do as young young athletes is that we sort of take ourselves away from Christ to fit in with that group but you can still play you can still um, hold true to your values while you're playing competitive sport I believe that uh, it's a lot harder because you know there's also issues with if you want to play on Sabbath or um, you know you're, you're most 
elite sports people love to have a drink afterwards and and you know like but it, it is possible you can still miss yeah, well at the share. same time when you when, when you go to that uh, party or whatever and you don't drink when the game is on Sabbath and you choose not to play that's sending out a message isn't it yeah absolutely and I think sports are a great um, you know a, a part of our overall sort of health message to be fit and healthy and active and I've heard of um, church groups that run you know decent level clubs that are that are ministering to young people that way but obviously they, they'll start with the prayer they won't do the parties they'll get together and they'll do life groups together so you know I think there's always opportunity there if you're passionate about sports as I as I was and you know I still have yeah. in, in my heart to to be involved at some level anyway. Absolutely, and I see, um, you know, I basically see two groups amongst our young people these days. You've got uh, gamers who sit in front of a screen, you know, for every spare hour of the day that they've got, and you've got others who are getting out and getting exercise, running around a field, and I know exactly which one I would, you know, vote for in a heartbeat. Um, if uh, And, of course, the person, as you say, we need to be out there. We need to be part of the community. We need to be mixing with people, um, and, and being a part of a... a a local sports group gives the opportunity for good exercise for, for lots of fresh air it gets your kids away from the computer screen and it gets them mixing with the community yeah um, you know I, I belong to a, a local club myself two local clubs myself and my purpose in being members of those clubs is um, is that you know in ministry sometimes you can get a little bit isolated from you know from the real person from the average person and it's like I've moved to a new area how am I going to meet you know people outside of my church and this is how I choose to do so Um, and on top of that it is just good fun. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and then you're exactly right. It <clears throat> brings us back to what we were talking about with the community groups. You know, if, if we if sports is a passion in our church, if we have young people that love it, do something in your church which engages the community through the sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, uh, Terence, um, you're doing this, uh, what, a postgraduate degree in ministry now? How, much, right. how, how long have you got to go before graduation? So um, I have nine papers left. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I'm praying that somehow God will open up the opportunity that I can do all nine this year. You're working at the same time? Uh, no, I'm, I'm I've full-time, full-time studying. Uh, stu- a student now, so. Yep. Um, so if, if, if that opportunity opens up, then I hope to graduate at the end of this year. But if not, I'll do a paper uh, first semester of 2020. Yep. And then that will be my, my so study. So Terrence will uh, soon be. Any ideas on where you'll be heading once you uh, finish? Has anybody uh, come sort of knocking on the door? And Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. No, and, and um, my wife and I, I'm married, I have three children. Uh-huh. Um, How old are your children? I have a daughter that's 10, she's my eldest, and then I have a six-month-old son. Oh, nice. And I have a five-year-old daughter as well in the middle. So, yeah, yeah so, um, you know, my wife and I are just taking it one day at a time that we haven't looked past this year and, and, and getting the studies completed. And then whatever opportunities opens up, we'll pray about it and see if, if that's something that we can do as a family. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm sure that uh, there will be opportunities coming your way um, to serve God. There is never a shortage of opportunities when a person wants to commit their life to serving God. Terence, thank you so much for joining us today and, uh, and sharing your testimony with us. And we wish you God's blessing as you continue to serve God and to use your talents, unique talents that God has entrusted you with. You're listening to Faith FM. Um, that's Terence here sharing his journey of faith. Um, and right now we're going to move to our song break. We'll be back after this song, the 8 o'clock news. We're back with Encounter with God.
Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happy hearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. See you soon and stay tuned to Face FM. FM. 